Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. Acts chapter 12 and verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when they apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quartanons of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Slip over to verse 11. And when Peter was come to himself, he's out of prison now, an angel brought him out. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, He came to the house of Mary, mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when he or she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is his angel, speaking of Peter. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door, they saw him and was astonished. And I want to preach here this morning to somebody. He's knocking again. He's knocking again. Let's lift our hands and just ask God to help us today. Lord, I thank you for your people. Thank you for the opportunity to minister your word before your people. Help us today that your word would do a work in all of us today. That God, it's not just another Sunday morning and another time on a calendar. But I'm asking you for a work of the Holy Ghost today that only you can bring to us. I ask it for your sake in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. Persecution is a little bit foreign to us now. When you speak of persecution, and this text speaks of the persecution of the church here in Acts, the very beginning uh, stages, Acts is the book of the church. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, or basically their account of walking with Jesus The book of Acts is the birthing of the church. Church is not mentioned up until this point. Acts chapter 2 and now we're in Acts chapter 12. So we find front and center the church is being persecuted. And again to us persecution is a foreign thing for the most part. We we, we say we have persecution on maybe a... uh, ridicule or I remember my grandfather who stood for this message back in the early 50s and and uh, the local uh, other denomination uh, would fruit his mailbox they would pass by and 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 the leaders of that church opposed him and 
Matter of fact, told many of the other people that if you kept going to that Pentecostal church, uh, you, you were going to be ostracized because that known denomination in that area uh, pretty much had control of it. And uh, they didn't want people going to them crazy Pentecostals down the road. And, and uh, even that, though, the fruiting that he received uh, to the mailbox and, and the things that he went through... Uh, I would venture is to say that that's still not persecution. That's opposition. But persecution like the Bible speaks of and probably what you and I would even find what we would read in the news overseas and uh, many of these countries, Somalia and different others that have uh, this tyranny. You've got a leader in position. And uh, if they don't bow down to the leader of that uh, kingdom or to that Uh, rain or whatever he is, there would be a persecution that would come. In that case, it's secular. But here in the scripture, it's speaking of religious persecution and that the church who was right in the middle of an empire that was very strong and very powerful, the Roman Empire. But here, it's a little bit different. It wasn't just the Roman Empire that was persecuting. It was a man by the name of Herod. That he not only was a Roman emperor, but he was a Jewish proselyte. He was a man that was trying to uh, ascribe not out of an honest heart, but to keep peace in a kingdom. And he would ascribe to the Mosaic law, or the, the, the law that the Jews were commonly known uh, of and knew uh, were known by. But yet not only was he trying to, to kind of keep some of these religious higher leaders of the Jews happy, He was also trying to keep a secular government at peace. And because of this turmoil and this battle, there is now persecution that's coming against the church. Allow me just for a minute. I know I'm taking a little bit of time, but I want us to all be on the same page of what they were were going through. And to understand that, you've got to have a historical background. Acts chapter 2 began to define what the church was. And if you'll read, and I think we talked about it some Sundays ago, we began to talk about how they were in the upper room and on the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues. And they spoke with other tongues in the upper room. But then if you continue reading the book of Acts chapter 2, it closes out and begins to say, or it says, first notation, it says, and such was added to the church. So we understand from the very beginning this persecution came because of an early beginning group of believers that had began to profess that there was something more than just a Mosaic law. There was something more to living for God. Let me, let me help somebody here at this, this point. Some of the greatest things and oppositions you will fight is when you begin to hold on to a truth in God's word. Family's not going to understand it. Your friends are not going to understand it. But if you just keep hanging on to what truth says and the word of God says and continue in that venue, you will experience a liberty in living for God that you never experienced anywhere else. So the defining moment for the church was it was a church that spoke with other tongues as was baptized in Jesus' name. So if you understand, that is the people that's being persecuted. That's the people that are facing now by this text. Herod now is coming against a group of people. They were not religious in in the conventional terms. They were not 
Uh, and for that, for those days, it would have been the Pharisees and Sadducees that had adhered to the books of whatever they had, the Torah. But yet there was not an in, uh, in-birthing spirit that was in them that could lead them to the furtherance of truth. So the religious persecution came from people that were professing religiosity, but yet had no revelation of the God that they were serving. And as this persecution came, James, who was the pastor of the Jerusalem church, has been persecuted and now killed. James, who had stood at the adversity from the very beginning, James, the the very first martyr, according to scripture, that the church had ever seen. This was their first moment And I can only imagine their hearts beating with excitement for this newfound truth, but yet so quickly to be persecuted for that truth. I can can only feel kind of their their moment of uh, like when you and I first got the baptism of the Holy Ghost and we were filled with the Spirit of God and we were baptized in Jesus' name. And something great happened. We felt that liberty. We felt that freedom. And only immediately after that, there was an opposition that came against you and I. I hope you and I have not gotten away from what it felt like when we first had the Holy Ghost. And church has just become religious. I hope church has not just become religious. I hope church has not just come religious. I hope church is not just religious. I know it's Sunday morning, but we only got one service today. And I don't want to just be a religious church. I want us to be a spirit-filled church that's excited about what God's doing and is anticipating the work of the Holy Ghost. And James is now persecuted, but he didn't just end with just a persecution, torment. It ended in his death. And here's this early beginning baby infantile church that's excited about a truth, excited about what God's doing, saw the power of God move in the upper room. And now they are facing what they thought would never happen. Death has come to their door. Situations has come to their door that they didn't know if they were going to be able to overcome the thing that now they were facing in James's existence or now no more James is gone there are things that you and I are going to face as the church that we might not have planned for and it may have looked like we lost some things that really we should have held on to I wish James would still be around but sometimes God allows things to happen that you and I don't understand This early church, I figure, had never equated that they were going to lose James in this so exciting hour. Where things were really beginning to come together, Brother Smith. Things were really beginning to happen. And yet in the midst of things clicking and coming together, the Bible said Herod rose up. And Herod began to vex the church. 
Herod, a proselyte Jew, a religious man, compromising man, secular leader, all the above. See, because you and I can't pick and choose what's going to be sin or allowed to come in our life that will vex us. The word vex means to trouble. It goes even deeper and means it's an attack against your mind. And what was coming against the church was a fear that if they took James and this Holy Ghost didn't stop that, what makes you and I believe that the Holy Ghost is going to protect me? They were facing a moment of mental vexing. An edict had been issued. It said, not only have I killed James, but it said, I'm coming after Peter. He was coming after the leadership of the early church. There's never been a greater attack against ministry than we're knowing here today. That's why you were so in the Holy Ghost and Sister Shaw was in men's prayer. That's why I want to... Admonish you, exhort and say the best I can. Don't you ever stop doing what we're doing in men's prayer, Brother Mike. Because it matters. It matters when men begin to pray and begin to unify together. Because there's an attack against the church. There's an attack against the ministry. There's an attack against our sons and daughters. And it's playing on our mind trying to tell us if God didn't do it for that one, then what makes you think God's going to do it for you? I'm here to declare to somebody, God will do it. Exactly what his word said is true. I'll never put more on you than you can bear. But with every temptation, I'll make a way of escape. Let the Holy Ghost work. Their minds were being vexed. Their minds were under such a tremendous load. Is there anybody here today that would like to get honest and say my mind sometimes. I might not be suffering in a physical persecution like it is overseas and these people getting killed and persecuted and decapitated for their belief. But yet in the natural, my head, my mind is under such attack. My mind is so weary with some of the things. I, I says to Helen. I try to believe. But see here's where my battle sometimes lies. See I can believe him for the supernatural. But when it comes to flesh. I struggle. See I can come. And I know I've got authority over. Through the work of the Holy Ghost. Over demons and spirits. And principalities and powers. Jesus said you're now a joint heir with me. Whatever he inherited. I inherited the same thing. The Bible said he's the head. Of all principalities and powers. And I'm a joint heir with him. So if he's the head of all principalities and powers. I inherited the same thing. I'm now the head. Over principalities and power. That's why drug addiction can't stay. Alcohol addiction can't stay. Pornography can't stay. The things that tear homes apart cannot stay. You've got authority over that. If we understand i got authority over that, the struggle was what do you do when you got flesh that's not subject to God? It's not God made you and I free moral agents to some degree. 
He could change your will, but he don't want that. Abraham, he did it. Abraham lying, and because Abraham lied and said, she's my sister, it's basically because you're in a pickle and you know Abimelech, the, pre, the Egyptian prince, is going to kill you. You lie and say that's your sister because they were going to take her as a wife. And God stepped in and got into Abimelech and said, you will not do. God just stopped human will. So God can do it if he wants to. But sometimes God chooses to step back. Let human will have its free course, Brother Charlie. That that out of the honesty of that person's heart, it will respond. And not out of, I have to do it because God's made it so hard. Sometimes God allows things to come to you and I. Adversity, opposition in the flesh. Whether it be a son, a daughter, a co-worker, somebody you're facing with all day and constantly there's this chiding. Little negative jabs that they throw at you here and there throughout the day. Constantly trying. And you say, God, I, I don't know how much of this I can take. And, and I hear about stories about how God doesn't always take care of it like I think he should. Not always does he come in and begin to. Sometimes, Sister Becky, I just wish when, if they ain't going to live for God. Well. We'll just leave that off the tape. (laughs) I'm sorry, Brother Jackson. I just live with him with everything I got. And I give him everything I got. It's hard sometimes for me. God, I need you to save them. But I've been known to pray, God, if you're not going to save them, then I want you to do whatever it takes to save them. See, because the Bible said, I'd rather you be saved and enter in without an eye. God's not interested in our healing. He's more interested in our salvation. And if I get saved, then I'm not saying God can't heal before salvation. What I'm saying is he's more interested, Brother Lang, that he heals my spirit. Heals the relationship between me and him that's been lost. That's what God's after. So sometimes God allows these difficulties to come. That I just don't always understand why it has to happen like that. That's what the early church, that's where they were. Why would God take James? James is the pastor of the original Jerusalem church. The first church was in Jerusalem, not Rome. Jerusalem. Contrary, Peter never went to Rome. But Simon Magnus, the sorcerer, did go to Rome called Peter. So now they're looking. Ooh, got a little tight on that one. Got a little tight on that one. That's all right. Don't get nervous. See, we don't want to face truth. We'd rather just kind of Hang out and eat hamburgers together and everybody just be all right. Throw in a good cucumber and tomato. I'm really happy. I'm going to be good today, Brother Wade. So, James is gone now. I can't help but think, Brother Mike, the power, the excitement of the people 
And then to only see the leader, James, be taken away. But I prayed, Brother Jackson. I, I fasted. I sought God. I live right. I'm faithful. See, why would God let this persecution come so early to a group of people? Now, here's the world's mindset. is God's just unfair. God's unfair, Sister Becky, that he would, we're, we're just trying to get our ground. We're, we're trying to get our footing. And man, you come in and you drop a nuclear bomb on me and take James. James was my best friend. What is it that God's allowed you to lose? And you're praying for something else today. And you're about to give up on that because you lost your James. And God's knocking at the door again saying, it's going to be different the next time. It's going to be different the next time you pray. And you're, giving, you're looking at James and what God allowed you to lose. And God's saying, but I spared Peter. Peter's not going to die. Peter's going to knock at your door. As a testimony to you, I may rise one up and I may let him come down. But you need to rest assured. I'm sovereign God and I can do whatever I want to do can you trust me when you can't track me can you trust me when you don't know what I'm doing can you trust me when it doesn't make any sense can you trust me when your family falls apart can you trust me when God doesn't put your family back together can you trust me when you lose that job Can you trust me when change comes and it's not the change you thought was going to come? See, because God's trying to move now a New Testament church into a greater dimension than they had ever been before. And if they stayed at the place of broken faith, God doesn't want you and I there. He wants you to understand, yeah, God didn't do what I thought he was going to do, but that doesn't minimize God's power. He's still able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could think or ask. And I'm not going to let the past relegate my present miracle. can't look at the times I prayed and God didn't answer and he let it die he let that relationship die he let that friendship die y'all with me this morning I can't if I look at that moment no doubt there's a Herod That's persecuting the mind of God's people. And the persecution is, if God didn't do it then, what makes you think God's going to do it now? And we're facing dilemmas, questions that we don't know the answer to. And let me tell you, there's going to be more that's going to walk in that back door that I don't have the answer to. You don't have the answer to. And if I look at the death of James, I'm just going to give up and say, well, that's about it. No, I'm going to look at that door when they come through and say, God, that's the Peter. That's the one that maybe you got something great for. I might not understand the why, but I know God, you know. I look at that text and last night I begin to see the fear that came over the people and whether you and I want to admit it or not 
And I say that very clearly, whether we won't admit it or not, there's a spirit of fear that rests over God's people in this hour. It's over the church. I go to men's conference. I'll go to, and there's a spirit of fear. We can shout and I thank God for the loud praises and the worshiping and all that we do only to leave that service and face the moment. Will God let James die? Will God let my family fall apart? Will God let me lose that job? Will God let this happen? God let this sickness. And we're looking now at a present miracle trying to believe that Peter is not going to end up just like James and our faith is struggling back and forth. Can I believe for Peter when God let James die? Just making sense. Can I believe for Peter's miracle when God didn't do it for James? Can we believe for God to do miracles of unconventional fashion when God didn't even give James a moment to really be interceded for? They just took him. Many say beheaded him. See, it's after your authority in Christ. It's after in your, your walk with God. Why beheading? Because it speaks of the mind. The enemy's trying to decapitate the mind from the body. Because if he can separate the authority of God from the body, if he can separate your authority in prayer, if he can separate your boldness in prayer, then he just has neutralized the body of Christ. But you and I need to understand the hour we live in. Just because James died doesn't mean Peter's going to die. Just because that fell apart doesn't mean... God's still not a healer, a deliverer. Uh. And a spirit of fear just rests on many of us. Fear gripped the heart of the early church. And I don't know about you, maybe you don't think this way, but I look at it and say, God, really? They don't even hardly have their feet underneath them. Where, where's the angels that showed up with David that, that rustled the mulberry trees and an army of soldiers of angels came? Why wouldn't God come in in the New Testament with an army of angels and deliver the church? Sometimes God doesn't do it like you want. I've had people say, well, well if Holy Ghost is real and tongue, tongues is real, then why don't we see cloven tongues as a fire? You don't understand your Bible then. Because that happened on Sinai. There was fire and quaking. It's all symbolic. Typing. Type and shadows. Pentecost was the fulfillment of that type and that shadow. And after that, all we see in Scripture, no cloven tongues is a fire, but we see people talking in tongues after that point. See, but you would think with all that power and all that Holy Ghost and all that revelation... Why, Sister Tiffany, would there be such an attack against the mind in a baby church that really has barely... See, because there's something that persecution does in maturity and growth that you don't get nowhere else. When you and I are comfortable, we're not growing. 
But when we are constantly being agitated and opposed by the enemy, it's going to do one of two things. Make you give up and quit. Or it's going to make you dig in your heels and begin to pray and call on the name of the Lord. And this early church had a very elementary prayer. They had a very elementary understanding of praise. They had a very elementary understanding. And God's saying, I'm taking you to a new dimension, a new era, a new place. And I need to make sure that when persecution comes, you ain't running for the hills like my boys did back in Israel. And I had to make them wander around in the in the wilderness for 40 some odd years. I need a church that's at its location and ready to move into what God has. Somebody needs to hear me. God's going to heal the mind of his people. God's going to strengthen you and I when we don't know what to do. And God don't do what we think he should. Just be patient and let God work. I'll be honest, I think I would have been in the group that was praying for Peter, but yet couldn't receive him coming in. And that early church is now being vexed by Herod. And here's what it says. And because it pleased the Jews. It don't say the Roman government. It said the Jews. Some of the wickedest most evil persecutions will come within religious factions. And it will always be the true God-fearing people will not retaliate in the flesh. And the way you know the one that's right is the one that emulates Christ more. Somebody needs to hear me in the Holy Ghost today. The one that emulates Christ more. He said, I, you will know my disciples by their fruit. You ain't going to know them by how eloquent they are in their mouth. That's why you and I better be careful who we listen to. We better be careful who we lend our ear to. We better be careful who we're listening to that thinks they know something about the word of God. That's why it's imperative for you and I to put our nose in that book and begin to read the word of God and get an understanding and a revelation of it for yourself because persecution is going to come whether in the natural or the spiritual. But if you've got God's word, when you've got an understanding of God's word, there's nothing that could ever destroy you but you can make it through anything. Anything. Situations, Brother Charlie's come up in my life. And God has revealed things in his word. I can go back to that and say, Oh, if God did that then. He changes not. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the ending. He's got it all down. So if he don't change, Brother Mike, then that means if he did it for you, just because he didn't do it for me then, don't mean he's not going to do it for me now. And where you may have been suffering in affliction in your body yesterday, and now you got a new ailment coming up today. It don't, Brother Jackson, it don't mean he's not going to do it. Just because God didn't heal that autoimmune, it don't mean God cannot heal that other ailment. God's looking at you and I wanting to know, can you go beyond? Can you look at me and say, you know what, God, you let James die. You didn't heal it. You didn't fix it. You let it die. But just because... You let it die. That don't mean Peter's going to die. 
That doesn't mean you're not going to get a miracle. And the enemy's after the mind. He's after trying to put doubt and unbelief in me and your mind. That's why if there's ever a time I'm going to study his word. I'm going to seek his faith in prayer. I'm going to be faithful to the things of God. It's going to be now. Why? We need the church now more than we've ever needed it before. Apostolic tongue talking. Baptizing Jesus name people that know how to pray. That know how to call out on God. And when the persecution comes, we can rally together and say, I'll tell you what. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for the ministry. We're going to pray for the saints of God. We're going to pray for the sick. Regardless of what has happened in the past, it will not dictate my future. It's not going to dictate it. And Herod, a proselyte Jew, said, because it pleases those religious folk, We're going to persecute the one God tongue-talking people, the church. We're going to persecute them. That's who came against him. Other religious entities. I've said this before. I know we got guests here today. Visitors, we're glad you're here today. But it will not sway me or cause me to speak in truth. We were at a place in this hour, Brother Wade, where a lot of people's talking in tongues. People are getting the Holy Ghost all over. And I thank God for that. I thank God for Holy Ghost filled people. I thank God for the saints of God, first of all, that have held to truth in spite of all this. But now it's a common thing. People getting the Holy Ghost talking in tongues. And they don't believe it's essential, but they believe talking in tongues. And they're experiencing this. And that's good. I thank God for that. But you hear me, Brother Ron. Where persecution is going to come in this end time, this whole economical movement that's wanting us to be apart. Everybody's going to come together, but there's one that's never going to be apart. That's going to be the one God apostolic spiritual. And that's going to be the one God physical Jews. And when they try to bring everything together, say, well, come on, Pentecostals. We talk in tongues like you. And then we'll say, yeah. But here's where it's going to be the drawing line in the sand, Brother Mike. They're going to say, the Trinity don't matter. Come on, Pentecostals, quit being a pain in my neck. Folks, persecution will come to the church. Better hope the Lord gets us out of here first. And we're going to say, I can't ascribe to that. And the dividing line in the sand is going to be over Jesus' name, baptism. Because everybody talking in tongues. But there's one thing we cannot do. I cannot change the baptismal formula. The baptismal formula is plain. Baptizing. And that's what this early church did. You got a man trying to compromise religious and governmental standards. Trying to bring it together to bring peace in a government. And these pesky Pentecostals just won't let it go. Kind of like the Spirit's telling me today. You Benoit, you are a pesky preacher. You just won't let it go, Brother Tar. He won't. It just, Benoit, get off of that. God's here to bring you and I to a place we've never been in prayer. At least I feel for me, God's trying to take me to a place in the Spirit I've never been before. And I want to do whatever I got to do to get to that place in the Spirit. And I can't look at the death of James and relegate my miracle of Peter today. And Herod. Vexed them because it pleased the people. 
You can't ever be a people pleaser in living for God. Because some things, I'll never forget Brother Jack Cunningham said it so clearly. And he repeated again what Brother Billy Cole said. When you're living for God, paraphrase it, there's some things when you declare in truth, it's not going to have the majority agreeing. Jesus had the same problem in John 6, verse 60 and 68. He gave them a long line of truth. And here's what they came back to him and said. That's a hard saying. You said it. Where's Brother Clifton? You said it, Brother Clifton. You said, where is that old spirit of conviction that would just move in our church services like it used to be? People just don't make a decision no more. Here's why. We've allowed to come into the church that you can stay the same way you are. Just keep coming. Y'all need to hear me. You can stay the same way you are. Just keep coming. Keep putting money in the offering. Keep paying your... Listen, you don't have to pay another nickel or another time in time. If I said that wrong. I'm going to have to back up now and I got to recant because y'all tell you... What I'm saying is, is this. If that's... That ain't my... Con- I'd rather you and I write with God than the nickel you give. Now, you'll be blessed by the nickel you give in tithing. I get all that. That's me. I get it. That's scriptural. So let that go down on the record. I, I clarified that. What I'm saying is, it ain't about how much I lift my hands. It ain't about how much I give in the offering. It's about am I right with God. And I can't sit comfortable on a pew. when I And I don't want a preacher that's going to let me sit comfortable on a pew and not tell me what's true and what's right. If that's the case, then I quit. I'm going to work at Home Depot. (laughs) And you even said it about conviction. We've got to have that back. To get that means I've got to be able to take God's word. And when they said in John 6 and verse 60, go read it. They said, for this is a hard saying. And I heard somebody make the comment. They said it like this. Hard preaching. Softens the soul. Soft preaching hardens the soul. I'm not talking about acid. I'm not talking about being unkind or ugly. I'm not talking about being some different affiliation that we're going to be rough and gruff and just agitate and be mean and hateful. Never will that be from this pulpit. But you hear me. There will always be a confrontational moment that you and I have to make a decision. Do I go forward or do I stay back? Do I acquiesce to what God's asking me to do? Or do I stay comfortable where I am? I'm trying to encourage somebody's faith today and say, don't you give up yet. Move forward. Regardless of James. There's a Peter that needs a church to pray. So truth presented like Sunday night, forgiveness. That's a tough pill to swallow. But it's truth and it'll soften the soul if I let it. But if I just kind of sit back. See, this early church was in the fires, Brother Charlie, of persecution. They knew that if I don't get a hold of God, I'm going to be the next one they're knocking at the door. And James died, but Peter didn't. But what's to say I won't? Sometimes God allows people, situations to die. Musicians, y'all get ready. Y'all come. Come on. I'm going to close with this statement. I think y'all got the point. So he vexed him. He was a religious compromiser. That vexed him. 
And where we are, we're in an age and an hour of religious compromising that is vexing the church. And it's made people confused. It's made people, they don't understand what truth is. Go back to what you said. They weren't confused in the 50s and the 60s. There was opposition, sure. But we weren't facing what we're facing now. And then it says, and they took Peter. Oh, no. They're taking Peter. Now just, just let me go down it for a moment. Just, just, just a few minutes. They're marching him to the prison. Now watch this, Brother Mark and Ted. I can almost see it. You got half the church over here, and you got half the church over here. And they're marching Peter. And Sister Betty and Sister Afina and Sister Mobina is over here going, Oh my God! <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> I just knew. It's a half glass water, folks. It's half full, the glass of water. Is it half full or half empty? You answered. Please don't tell me because you're going to make me preach an hour on that. Don't, don't speak it out. Keep that one to yourself. But if you answered, well, it's half empty. Psychologists say you're naturally negative. It's half full. You're naturally. Pe- well, I, look, I don't buy a whole lot into psychology. I think you can choose. You can choose. I choose this. So we got Sister Mobina and over here going, I just knew it was coming. Just a matter of time. I'm talking to some of you right now and y'all don't even know it. Just a matter of time, I knew it would just kind of. And then you got this group over here saying, no, in the name of Jesus, you took James, but you ain't taking Peter. And somebody got a bulldog grip on it saying, you let it happen to James, but it ain't happened to Peter. I wish somebody would be in this group and say, hey, I'm not going to let it happen again. You say, well, I'm not in control. No, but I'm not going to exhaust my faith in something. I'm going to put my faith in that God can. God can do anything that I'll put my faith in. And Peter's heading down the road. And surely, split house, they're saying, yep, I knew it was coming. Y'all might as well hunker down. Kind of like Y2K. Go buy a bunch of canned goods. We need to brace ourselves in. We need to get a bunker. Because let me tell you what, persecution's coming. What we're going to do, we need to get it all ready. Because it's heading our way. But then somebody on that other side kept praying and would not give up regardless of what happened to James. And finally the Bible says Peter went to prison. Now here's the part I love. Peter's in prison. And over there the church is still praying. And brother Chris, here's what happened. While Peter's in the prison, bound by chains, an angel shows up. That's New Testament. That ain't Old Testament. That's a new. Why do you think? Why don't you think God could go right now to that backslidden son and daughter that's bound in chains, and He just walk up and go, "Wham! I'm breaking the chains. I'm getting them out of their prison." And they walk in that back door right now. When the church continues to pray and the church continues to hang on to what God said, I promise you, there's coming a knock at the door, and you and I better get ready because He's knocking here this morning, telling you, Peter is coming out. Stand with me.
What? Okay, here we go. Get ready. Here we go. And Peter, break your message. I'll come back and preach another time. He's in prison. Angel gets him out. He walks through all the gates and all that symbolic and means a whole lot. And we'll come back and talk about it. But here's what he does. When he come out of it, this is the part I loved. Watch. Watch. Take hope for your backslidden son, daughter, husband, aunt, uncle, nanny, pot, aunt, whatever it may be. Take hope. It said, when Peter walked through that last gate, he came to himself. Remember I talked about the flesh and Herod? What do I do about these fleshly things? They just got a mean personality or they just got a a bent rebellious personality or they just don't get what I've been trying. I didn't raise them that way. You with me? Flesh. They done made up in their mind. Stubborn. Watch what God did. God showed Peter, I can work even when you don't know I'm working in your I'm telling somebody here today your son, your daughter, whoever it may be that may not, you need to hear they might not even know what's going on but there's an angel working right now, beginning to move in their midst right now and they don't even know what's happening Brother Ron, Sister Katie there's an angel working. Folks, either we believe this stuff or again, we need to shut down shop and just start selling shoes on the corner and lemonade or we need to be the church that's got power in prayer. Sister LaFleur, the sermon, it's going to work. Brother Charlie, it's working. Caleb, it's working. Brother Chris, it's working. Brother Troy, it's working. Brother Danny, it's working. Even though I can't see it, don't look at James's death and think that God cannot do the impossible. And he came out and watched He knocks at the door. Now this is where you and I don't want to be. He knocks and Rhoda comes in and goes, What? God answered it. She was so shocked. Scripture says, here's what they really believe according to the rabbinical Jews, that when a man dies, his spirit visits. Y'all with me? Point I need to make. What Rhoda saw or thought she saw was Peter's dead. And this is his spirit confirming to us he's dead. So in her defense, she wasn't that crazy. She was just going with what she was taught. And she runs back in the house and goes, y'all ain't going to believe something. Something's up at my door. And watch. Peter knocked again. I'm telling somebody here today in the Holy Ghost, Peter's fixing a knock on your door again. And you've looked at him at the first time and you're kind of like Rhoda saying, this is too good to be true. 
I'm here to tell you, why don't you just enjoy the ride? It's not too good to be true. God's knocking at the door again for somebody. I'm telling somebody here today in the Holy Ghost, if you've never had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. Visitors, God brought you here this morning for a reason. He's knocking at your heart's door. And you're saying it's too good to be true. And I'm telling you, when God fills you with the Holy Ghost and you speak with other tongues and you're baptized in Jesus' name, you will experience a peace that your soul has never experienced. That's a fact. And all I can tell you is, it's not too good to be true. Just open the door. Today, I want us to lift our hands. But before we do, I want us to step out of that pew together as a family. And I want us to all come to the front. I'm opening these altars naturally to people that want the Holy Ghost. But I'm speaking to the family of Christ today. Some of you got to knock at your door and say, it's too good to be true. And I'm here to tell you, it's not too good to be true. God's going to do something for Peter that he didn't do for James. God's going to do something for you that he didn't do 20 years ago. He didn't do it 30 years ago, but he's going to do it today. Because God's ready to bring the church into a place and a dimension it's never been before. You've got to believe that with me. I can't believe it for you. You've got to believe it with me. Now lift your hands today in faith. God... I need you to help me. I'm struggling in unbelief. Come on, be honest. God, I'm struggling in unbelief. I'm struggling with my past. I'm struggling getting over yesterday. I'm struggling today. Come on, talk to him today. Come on, lift your hand. Lift your voice with it. I can't pray the prayer for you. You've got to pray it. God, forgive me of doubt, unbelief. Come on, God, you're taking us to clean, to deeper waters. You're taking us to a place in the Spirit, not to drown us, but to cleanse us. There's something about it. Come on, just tie your faith to what you know God can do. Not what He didn't do, but what He can do. Come on, don't let your past 